Welcome to the Higher Potential Living Podcast, where we discuss improving quality of life by exploring mind, body, and spirit through a mindful lens. Here's your host, Jason Marichello. Hello, and thanks for joining us once again on this episode. I am joined by Natasha Boldrip. And Natasha is a certified therapeutic yoga teacher and clinical somatics practitioner and educator whose teachings are respected locally in our community as well as around the world. Through her business, Somatic Bloom Therapy, Natasha works with people of all ages and walks of life who want to move and feel better in their bodies. And that's what we talked about in this episode today. We got into all these patterns that the body creates over the years. And and we talked about ways of bringing ourselves through some awareness, through some movement, bringing ourselves back into some healthy anatomical function. And uh, we had a great conversation. It's always a pleasure when I get to chat with Natasha. So hopefully you get some useful things to take away from this episode, as well as enjoy the conversation that we had. Hello and welcome everyone to the Higher Potential Living Podcast. I'm here with Natasha Boldriff, and I'm really excited to actually have you on this because I've known you quite well for a few years now, but we've kind of like our friendship and everything has blossomed kind of out of the yogic world. And so I'm really excited to dive deeper into kind of what you do when you're not in the yoga studio and all that kind of stuff. So um, if I could just give you the floor for a little bit to explain a little bit about what you do, who you are, and what inspired you to get into the work that you're doing now, in any order. <laughs> okay, that's great. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. You mean the world to me. Um, so I love I love this idea of improving the quality of life through body, mind, and spirit. I, I've signed up to be one of these light bearers as well and to to make sure that people can understand that there's just so much more than they think there is. And um, I am a, well, let me, let me, let me start with where I started. So uh, in about 2005, I became a yoga teacher uh, because I was in the studio and I'm like, oh my goodness, is this what this feels like? More people need to know that this could feel like this. So I became a yoga teacher and then I found out that a lot of people were like, ow, my wrists, my knees, my back, my feet, I, you know, I can't do this, I can't do that. And so I became a therapeutic yoga teacher and I mentored teachers globally with uh, Susie Haightley out of Calgary. And then I knew that something was still missing. There are all these tendencies and patterns and people had all of these limitations in, in not being able to overcome their injuries or they've seen everybody but they still couldn't overcome certain injuries or aspects of whatever was plaguing their bodies whatever whether it was pain discomfort uh restriction whatever it was and uh so then i'm like there's got to be more to this so then i became a clinical somatics practitioner and i've been doing that for about three years now and, uh, and that's just changed everything. This is getting us into our habituated patterns and um, 
giving me more information of how reflexive we are and how primitive it is and how much we hold in our bodies. And we don't even realize our tendencies and our patterns are invisible. Mm. And uh, we don't know what it is that we do. I mean, even a, a, a pro golfer needs his golf swing examined. We don't know what it is that we're missing. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so I get to take people on these journeys, these tours of, of what they're doing, what they want to do. And, and I apply it with a yogic lens. You know, how does this body that's been a, in a car accident, how can this person ever do something like a revolved triangle again? What would they need to do in their bodies, even though they're not yogis? But to me, that's like, that's a, that's a pretty complex, big request of, of, uh, of a position to be in, in your body, a lot of different actions. And how could this body in front of me be able to do something like that? So I, I, yeah, my, my foundation is yoga because, um, when I was growing up, I had a babysitter and I lived in the East end in Toronto. And so like the Coxwell area. And so it was a garden of saris every day. I walked to school and there were all those beautiful stores and people walking around. And I always felt like I was in India and I always used my imagination that I was in India. And then I used to read uh, Hindu mythology comic books. And then that story of young Krishna opening his mouth and his mom seeing the whole universe in there like that, those things really landed for me. And the story of Ganesh and Hanuman, like those, those were, those were my playmates when I was growing up. So yes, that's kind of how I came to be who I am today. I love that. And there's so many things just to unpack um, that amazing, the amazing story that you just kind of shared. But a few things really stood out for me when you were kind of sharing that. And one of the pieces was about how much people don't really know about what's limiting them. Like I actually remember coming to see you for my shoulders and I was always so fixated on tight hamstrings and, and mobility there. And you were one of the first people and there's been many since then that I've gone to see and work with that eventually said, uh, you don't need to be working on your sh- legs so much as you need to look at your shoulders. And I remember the first time you asking me to isolate something and try to do a specific movement that my body had just forgotten how to do. And I remember I've just gotten so complacent, like if I'm gonna do a push-up or I'm gonna do this kind of a motion, well, I'm going to compensate by using these muscles because those ones just don't work. And you're, I remember just the way that you put it and said like, well, no, 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 saying that those just don't work isn't good enough, let's get them working. And that being such a big piece to it. So with the people that you, you tend to see, how much of it is, you know, hands-on and how much of it is just that educational piece around learning to listen to your body and learning to work with your body that way. Yes. Yeah. No, that's exactly it. It is a balance of education and hands-on when people come to see me, but I also teach in group settings as well. And through COVID, I've been teaching online through Zoom sessions. Um, So education is huge somebody needs to see a picture of what their lat looks like. You know, they, they need to understand that. So, you know, I'll show them, I'll show them the directions that it could move in and then I'll have them feel it while I move them. And then I'll have them be an active participant in it. This is an active modality. Clinical somatics is active. It's dealing with that neuromuscular relationship and you've got to get the brain's attention of going, what, that's what I've been doing or 
or I can't move. Like in your case, I can't elevate or, you know, protract my shoulder blade. I don't know how to do that. And, uh, or I've lost it because it's, it's something that's fallen asleep or have, has gone offline. So this is what I do. I get things that are really loud to quiet down and I get those things that are asleep or offline to come back online. You are, you're reclaiming and you're retraining the body in a beautiful way. Some people describe what I do as a combination of getting a massage and yet working with a personal trainer at the same time. I don't know if you can you can attest to that or not. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You definitely yes. feel like you've worked with a personal trainer by the time you're done. <laughs> For those that don't really know much about this modality, um, from my experience, it's not a passive practice. You're the one that's in the driver's seat and you're the one that has to retrain and reteach your muscles and your body how to move. And that's what I, I really appreciate about this modality. So what exactly encompasses that? scope of clinical somatic practice that might be a big question (laughs) that is a really big question so it's it's effective so in terms of its scope it's effective because it's using the adaptive superpower that all humans have we've adapted if we stub a big toe we reconfigure our bodies and and then walk differently until that toe recovers. Now that's something very you know, minimal, but then you get a cast put on your leg because you've broken uh, your, your, you know, one of the bones in your leg. You're going to have to now learn how to walk with a cast for six weeks. That's six weeks of developing a new habit, mm. a new pattern of walking. If you're using crutches, your your upper body is going to still be using crutches. You have to learn how to come out of those maladaptive patterns. Like maybe they were adaptive and a good pattern in the moment, but you have to learn how to teach yourself how to come out of that. So it's education for yourself, but it's also education in how the body works. Like it's it's self education, but also learning. It's 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 all it's that whole umbrella of education which i love because people have to learn there's an investment on their part so you know somebody that's that's been told to come and see me i uh i'm like oh and especially if it's a spouse you know i've been working with her you've got to go i'm sick of seeing you hobbling like that Mm -hmm. right so that that's always like "Uh uh-oh okay here comes the husband in this you know situation and i love them when they're skeptical I love them when they're like, yeah, I'm here because my wife is here. So Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, so there's going to be, so it's a different approach for me, but then it's also exciting for me because I get to let their body show them, teach Mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. Yes. Their brains and their bodies have to work together. And all of a sudden they, they, they stand up and they're like, I've got feet. My plantar fasciitis is so much quieter. And uh, yeah. So I love the skeptical ones. I love people that come on their own, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but in a lot of cases, I've got occupational therapists that are referring to me for people that have been in car accidents or post-surgery. And um, that's also wonderful. So then I get to take people on this, this journey of there's so much more than what you thought. Yeah. our, Our thoughts and our beliefs are really limiting. Oh, for sure. Yes. And, and something that you mentioned there too reminds me like a lot of the people that I'll come uh, or I'll have come to me and, and work with me in the whole realm of like mindfulness coaching, 
like we kind of said, there's a lot of this aspect of things are okay. I'm not going to go and deal with it if it's okay. If I can still hobble around like the husband in that scenario, if I can still hobble around, it's okay. I'm not going to go get help for it. And it's only when we get like to that point where it's crippling, that's, oh, maybe I should go and see, you know, somebody about this at that point in time. But at that point, there's like six weeks that you've been in that cast and six weeks of building that habit and everything else. And it makes that, and you know, that was a big piece of, of wanting to start up this podcast was to kind of help people understand that we don't have to settle for just okay with things that we can settle for like great, whether on this podcast, we're talking about relationships, mental health, or any of that kind of stuff, but we don't need to settle for okay we can settle for fantastic. We can settle for full range of motion in our shoulders and neck and all of this kind of stuff. And one of the things I typically say to people when they come in to work with me for stress, you know, a lot of the times when they're coming in, they're in the full depths of depression and that kind of thing. And the image that comes to mind is like coming into a dark room, completely dark room and coming to me and saying, can you show me where the light switch is? And imagine having someone in that dark room and trying to say, okay, no, reach another two feet up and two feet over and trying to describe it that way, where if they came and there was still a little bit of light there, then my guidance would only have to be, well, you see that little square thing in the corner, just start walking towards that and you're going to find it on your own because you have the power on your own. Mm. But we often, we just wait so long until it takes a lot of work and it feels like a lot of work rather than like this playful maintenance that we can kind of get into. Courage is a big piece. Yeah, and admitting that like I can work on myself. Yeah. Like it's always a progress. So I'm I'm curious for like the average person who's in that situation. I say average with air quotes, but nobody can tell. <laughs> um the average person who's in that situation where, you know, they they chalk things up to just aging or you know, it's harder to get out of bed, but that's just, you know, that's just getting older and stuff like that. Like what are some of the common things you think people are walking around with that they don't even don't even exactly. realize or, yeah. that's a big one and that's a big piece of thomas hannah's work where clinical somatics comes from mm. um yeah people people think that it's the most natural thing to degenerate it, it isn't it isn't uh you go to the doctor and the doctor will say at the age of 40 yeah how old are you oh 40 yeah the eyes and the lumbar disc yeah the discs start to go and the eyes start to go and it's not true what this is is a culmination over time of these patterns whether they're overuse patterns whether they're misuse patterns where they're um, adaptive patterns maladaptive patterns it doesn't matter but you need to learn about your patterns so that's like, right, the whole premise of yoga is self-realization. So that's why this modality works so well for me, because it is, it's self-realizing. Like, I'm realizing, oh, look, I do have a hip hike. I do always hike up my hip like I'm still wearing my cast, even though that was four years ago. Mm. I still am really hiking up in that QL or my um, side uh, waist muscles. I'm still doing that or drawing up through my armpit. I'm still shortening that side. Yeah. And we didn't know it. So getting seen by someone, anyone, it doesn't have to even be this modality, getting another uh, set of eyes on you. If something feels niggly or not right, or you've been hobbling for too long and you just can't hobble anymore, mm -hmm. go get seen by somebody. You need that 
perspective because we, it's become invisible to us. It's become so habituated that it's become normal. Mm-hmm. And that's sad to me when I go to the grocery store or, you know, and see people leaning on their carts. They just, they just don't have that, that organization, that physiological organization in their body to hold themselves upright anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard for me to turn it off. It is. It is really hard for me to turn it off. And, you know, I've, I've gone up to somebody that's with a box of Herbaxa set at Sh- uh, Shoppers Drug Mart, and I've been like, mm, I just need to give you my card. And you don't need to call me, but I just can't leave here without giving you my card. Did that person ever call me? No, they probably thought I was a total weirdo. That is fine. But I went to bed okay that night, right? Sure. <laughs> Well, it's interesting that you you say that, like being uh, a yoga instructor, and you know we've both been in that position, and seeing people lie down in shavasana at the end of the class where they're lying there, and I believe that everyone feels like they're balanced when they're lying on their back, and like in their mind, their spine is aligned, their hips are balanced, and all this kind of stuff, and then you look down at people, and you'll see like one shoulder way higher than the other, and one hip over here, or their whole body is in like this banana shape. And sometimes there's been times with, you know, students I know or in my more playful classes where I'm like, okay, we all need to just get into Shavasana together because this isn't right. And, you know, you think about how that trickles forward. You get, you get the, the man who likes to have this thick wallet that he sits on every day. Or, you know, the fact that we wear our purses or our backpacks over one shoulder only. Like I am actually, I can, I can say that I'm pretty bad at that. I was wearing a tank top today and I was just looking at the way that the shirt was wrinkling and I'm like, oh man, one shoulder is like one inch higher right now. And I had to actually massage the muscles to get both my shoulders to sit back down at the, the same level. And it's mm-hmm. so fascinating of how we throw ourselves out of balance there. Absolutely. And we do it all the time. We do that all the time. Like I'm sitting here with one leg up because I like to shorten my left side. Yes. And, and I didn't notice until you were talking about your shoulder and I'm like, okay, what are you doing, Natasha? Oh, there it is. There it is. Yes. And that's it. It's awareness. You've just become, no, it's exhausting to be aware 24 seven. And we're not asking for people to be so cortical. That means using the prefrontal cortex and paying attention to everything, everything, everything. That would be maddening. But in a quieter moment, or when you start to develop that sensory input in your body, it's like something, oh, I can feel something's a little off here. Oh, I'm only sitting on one of my sits bones. One of my bum cheeks feels really flattened and the other one's kind of levitating. All right, what if I brought the other part of my pelvis down? Wow, I was levitating. I didn't realize there was a helium balloon on that whole side of me. Mm. But, but that's it. When The more that you play with this stuff, and it's hygiene. It's like practice. It's hygiene. You brush your teeth every day. A movement practice of any kind is essential every day. We are developed for movement. We are designed for movement. It's part of our survival. We've got to keep moving. For sure. It's so fascinating. And I think of, um, I think of just my experience with this is just again through yoga and although we'd love to be that person to be able to answer these questions and stuff like that, in the limited amount of time that we have in a yoga class or something of those lines, there's just not enough time to answer all these questions. Yet, I do believe there is a hunger out there. People, especially when you start, like you said, kind of getting a little aware. So by the time people are starting to come to yoga classes, 
they may be noticing, hey, that person can bend that way and they're twice my age. You know, <laughs> I, I'm all of a sudden now I'm starting to lose my excuses. So kind of what is it? And uh, have you found that there's like certain trends with certain professions? Like I know people who sit at desks all the time. I'm, I'm always, you know, being asked about that somatic or not somatic, but sciatic nerve and oh, yes. that kind of stuff. So have you found certain trends in the work that you do? People that have longer commutes, people that don't actually use their lower body and are up in their upper body. There, I mean, I wouldn't say there is a trend. I would say people that are more sedentary probably are a lot more rounded in their front lines. And we call that like a startle reflex or the red light reflex that we kind of, and it looks like, like sure they're in their thirties or forties, but put a walker in front of them and it's the same position of that mm -hmm. curling fetal kind of position with those really shortened uh, hip flexors and psoas muscles and a tighter abdominal line. And then they're really lengthening and asking a lot of their back body. Their, their back muscles are mm -hmm. lengthening, lengthening all the time. Um, so I wouldn't say the trends, but I would say that uh, like for certain professions, I mean, I see people from all walks of life and no car accident person's the same. Mm. You know, so and what trigger okay. shows up for people completely differently. Everybody, everybody differently. Something like a car accident, it's they're really it's amazing. They'll be like, oh well, I had that surgery when I was fourteen, and they're like sixty three now, and I'm like, you don't get it. That that big impact is like a snow globe. Your snow globe, where all those little particles were all in their right spots. You're all in your habituated tendencies. Everybody knew how to play well, just got shaken up. And it's all those particles are like shrapnel, mm. you know, uh, floating around again. It's like they've got to, but their nervous system has to figure it out. They have all those layers, the, the psychological, the emotional, how their vision is impacted, all the physiological responses. There's so much to, to that. And, you know, they're... It's, so it's great when you explain, you know, yeah, what you're feeling, you know, you're not crazy. You're mm -hmm. not crazy. And, uh, and that these impacts from before can get shaken up and brought to the foreground again, especially if they were never really dealt with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I see that a lot. So I was, I was brought up in the construction industry. And so, you know, I was always kind of the oddball on the job site. Um, where, you know, if we were just bending over for a long period of time, I would do like an upward facing dog or something like that. But that's not the norm on a construction site, right? There's a lot of macho men and we just don't do that kind of stuff. We make fun of the guy that is doing that kind of stuff. And even just trying, I found in the past, even trying to change people's perspective from calling it yoga or something and just thinking of it as a counter stretch, even like you were talking about how much when you're hunched over all day long, like how much extra work you're getting those back muscles to do and they're lengthening and loaded all the time rather than being kind of like balanced and i see people do you can always kind of tell which trade people are kind of in like people who, who do flooring and stuff like that versus a bricklayer versus a whatever because there isn't any of that counter stretch you're in this position all day long whatever that position is doing repetitive motion too which is such a a big piece so those certain muscles are even getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And the ones you're not using are getting weaker and weaker and weaker. So of course, you know, you're always gonna resort to using those stronger muscles. They're gonna take over more landscape in your body and everything. And it's- Yeah, you, you become molded, yes. Yeah, and like, I, how do you, to someone who, 
well, I guess if there's if they're just stubborn enough, they're not gonna they're not gonna be open to listening to their body more and stuff like that. So how when you do have that person that's been told to go see to you, is there a different mm-hmm. approach that you'll take to kind of like show them? Uh, well, I, I find out what they do or if they're retired, what they have done, because it gives me an inkling so I can kind of picture them, you mm-hmm. know, okay, oh, they were doing that as a job. Okay, so they would have been bending over their primary school kids a lot or, mm-hmm. you know, writing on the chalkboard a lot if they were teachers. Um, somebody, an electrician, their arms are always overhead, right? They're up and always overhead. So they're going to uh, really be caught in that position. Their diaphragms are probably going to be really tight. Um, uh, so what I do is I don't actually go opposite mm-hmm. to what they were doing. I actually go into the pattern that is because it would be such a big request of their nervous system that's been so used to this one way to go the, completely the opposite way. It's too mm. much. Mm. So I'd actually get people who are, who've got that, that tight front that have been sitting in a car and kind of scooped with their tailbone uh, towards the front of them, rather than sitting directly on their sits bones. Uh, they're sitting more on their um, tailbones or sacrums. I would actually get them to probably, I'd work with them on their side, going into that pattern and then learning how to uh, release out of that pattern. So it's not, it's not stretching. I actually get them to contract with what is mm-hmm. and to lengthen out of, out of that pattern. And they're learning how to recognize when they go back into that cringe and how to soften out of that so that they can catch themselves. They'll start building that, um, proprioception or that sensory input of like, oh, there I go again. Okay, I'm going to go into it. I'll put Natasha showed me or how I know to do and then and then come out of it. And they will be able to find that balance again. And um, that's how I work. I know it sounds different because, mm-hmm. you know, you, you'll stand and somebody's rounding and you'll have heard that, you know, put your shoulders back. Mm-hmm. Well, it's going to actually act like a rubber band effect and make people go even tighter and more protective to where they're used to going. It doesn't, it doesn't engage the brain to put your shoulders back. So you have to kind of recognize first what it is that I'm doing and then come out of what it is that I'm doing. Oh, mm-hmm. that's how I find my way out of this hole or this position or this mold and shape that I've created. Yeah, for sure. Actually, I remember the first time going to see you specific because I've done some of your group classes as well. But it doesn't, in my opinion, it doesn't compare to like getting that one on one in this kind of realm of of, uh, modality. But it felt so counterintuitive at first. It felt, Mm -hmm. I remember one of the issues I had was my, I slept on my neck wrong or something like that. And I couldn't get my ear to go down to my left shoulder. It was just really tight. So for me, my mentality would have been, okay, my ear doesn't want to go to my left shoulder. I'm going to grab my left hand and I'm going to start pulling it towards my left shoulder. And then I went to go see you and you actually had me bring my, you actually had me bring my right ear to my right shoulder, but like had me forcefully kind of do it. So you actually Mm -hmm. put pressure against my head and had me press into your hand and bring my neck the opposite direction that I was trying to get to and then when I went to go put my head over to my left shoulder, it was so much easier all of a sudden. Right. Like it just right. did not make sense. So it's like those, those couches, when you go to somebody's house, well, 
pre-COVID, sorry, yeah. you go to somebody's house and you're going to sleep over and they've given you the spare room where they have one of those pleatherish couches and you have to fold the couch into itself mm -hmm. to fold it out into a bed. It's that same kind of principle mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. physics. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's that same idea. So how would you say, just for those that haven't experienced this modality, how would you say that it differs from a massage or an RMT? Like, how could you simplify yeah, it? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I go to all those people. I love all those people. I love osteos. I love all of those people. I would love to work with somebody like me, but the closest person I would know to do that with uh, lives in Pickering. So that's not very um, accessible all the time. Mm -hmm. She's actually one of my um, colleagues. Um, so I would say all of, like go to anyone, go to your acupuncturist, go to anybody, get that sensory input that something's up, something's up. Okay, ah, yeah, that is the area, that is the area. So, so get some information get some data mm -hmm. and then you want to fill in that data. You want to enrich those pixels with, with um, contracting that area yourself and then lengthening slowly. It's like a melt out of that, like butter on corn. It's that slow and it's such a painfully slow process, but it needs to be slow enough for the brain to pay attention. When you were learning to ride a bike, it took a little bit of time. When you were learning how to do anything, it took a little bit of time. So, massage is quite passive who does not love to go out to dinner but you're learning a lot about oh my goodness i didn't realize and then like there are so many good massage therapists here there really are in this area and um those that kind of say and teach you a little bit of why in the relationships like go and find that one don't just go with that mentality of fix me right because you're going to be losing so much of that educational piece. Like, how are you going to learn to do what the massage therapist is doing for yourself? Right. Or the OT or the, like, become an active participant in it. I think that's really key. And whoever comes and sees me has no choice but to become an active participant because that's the way you're going to entrain and retrain the relationship between your brain and those muscles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, beautiful. Um, one of the things that I was thinking about was a little bit of the conversation we had before we actually uh, hit the record button today, but that piece around um, self-diagnosing and kind of getting complacent with that portion as well. Like I know people who are close to me who basically will say, well, I don't need to go see anybody because this is this. Nobody can fix this. And you were sharing a little bit about the client that you, you had today um, what they were saying. And I was just wondering if you could share that for everyone listening now. Ah, uh, okay. Was that with the, the one with the big toe? toe? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was, I was trying to get somebody to really sense their feet. Our feet don't, they're kind of dumb. Our feet are now dumb because everything is so flat. We don't have to off-road in our ankles and our feet around stones and roots and things like that anymore. Mm -hmm. Everything's pretty um, navigable. Mm -hmm. um, unlike way back when with our four parents for people mm -hmm. I'll, i won't say forefathers i don't know it just doesn't yeah, no. say i'm trying i'm trying to be decent right. all right <laughs> so so um so i was trying to because there are 
I'm going to use the number kajillion because there's that many apparently. There are a kajillion sensory receptors in the bottom of our feet. There are a kajillion joint receptors in our feet. We need to get in touch with that again. It is so crucial because these are our guy wires. These are the, these are the um, between our feet and our lower legs. This is what keeps us standing. This is what keeps us standing and, and rebalancing and rebalancing. So many people are so wooden when it comes down to their mid uh, calf through their ankles down to their feet. They're really wooden and stiff and uh, almost like they're, they're in casts or clogs all the time. Mm -hmm. So, so this one woman goes, Oh, I really find it hard to press through the big ball joint of my foot. And she goes, Oh, and she goes, Oh, I know why I have arthritis there. I said, Oh, you've never told me about this. I've worked with this person for like, you know, a number of months. And she goes, yeah, my, uh, my physio or somebody told her that she's got arthritis in her, in her big like toe joint. And I'm like, Hmm, was that imaged? Like, do you know for sure? She goes, no, no. They just told me because of the stiffness. And so this woman is believing she has an arthritic toe that will not move. And I'm like, oh my gosh, how about it's not getting enough synovial fluid? How about it's not getting enough sensory input? How about it's lost the synergistic dynamics between the foot and the lower leg and the rest of you? So we worked with her and she stood up and her feet were plump and vital and 3D again in one session. It's kind of crazy. I'm kind of into feet right now. And uh, because, I mean, we, we are as... There's this brilliant uh, kinesiologist, Dean Juhan, and he says, we are an impossible building. Mm. Like, how does standing on these two little feet with mm. a big, broad top work? Mm -hmm. You know, our center of gravity is not in our feet. It's in our pelvises. And we don't have these deep concrete footings between our feet and into the earth. We don't have that. So what is keeping us upright? Like it's, we are an impossible building. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love hearing that. Yeah, no, that's really fascinating. So as you know, in, in some of the yoga that I teach, like I went through a big arm balance phase mm -hmm. and it's impossible to teach people arm balances if they're thinking about, if they're not thinking about their hands first. And it's the same thing with like people standing we're standing and luckily, you know, we have years of practice and all that kind of stuff, but people don't realize what their feet are doing. Get them to go from standing on two feet to trying to balance on one foot, mm -hmm. get them to go into tree pose and see their arms flailing all over the place. Whereas, you know, when you get into more technical balancing, like arm balancing, you realize you need to bring it right down to the smallest articulation in the joints of your hands and not passive. You need to be active the entire time so you can have awareness of the slightest balance shift, the slightest mm -hmm. weight shift. So you can justify that and, and, and kind of uh, rectify it as you kind of go. But that was a big game changer for me. I didn't appreciate my feet until I tried to walk on my hands, which mm -hmm. maybe seems so backwards. But then I was like, oh man, feet, like I got to take better care of you. I got to pay more attention to you. No, we started crawling, right? Mm -hmm. Like if you think of a, a little one's, our, our evolution when we were babies, it's still like our, our, de our development as babies is just like the evolution of, of how we became humans. Mm -hmm. Like it's so, they're, they're so the same thing. Mm -hmm. 
you know, we're on our bellies slithering around and then we're crawling and then we start to squat and then we have to hold ourselves up. And that before we become vertical and walking, we do not come out of our moms walking. Yeah. There is a huge developmental uh, thanks to years of evolution. Like it's so fascinating when you think about the de developmental and the evolutionary, I think. Yeah. I had such a visual there when you were describing that and going through the evolution and like, it's true. There's periods of grunting. There's maybe some like poo throwing and like all these different things. That, <laughs> all of it, all of, all of it. it that goes through the phases to get to the yeah. people that we see walking yeah. around every day. And some uh, of us are still in our terrible twos. Yes. Yeah. Yes. No kidding. <laughs> So one of the things that uh, really stood out for me when I first started even going to your group classes, I remember you hearing, I remember hearing you say, uh, if you want to do one thing to just like kickstart your day while you're still in bed, just do some like hip tilting, just to wake up the spine, wake up like kind of like lying your back, doing almost like a little cat cow kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of a game changer for me for a period of time, just doing that regular practice, taking some deep breaths and just moving my spine around a little bit. I was wondering, and that's been a few years since I've, I've you know, heard you say that, but do you have any more like go-tos or something that you'd say, if nothing else, here's a couple mm. easy things that we can do to integrate into our regular days. Lie on the floor, take gravity out of your equation. Hmm take gravity out of your equation and start to see what it feels like to lie with legs long. Mm -hmm. Let your legs extended out, out in front of you and where the lines of pull are like, just start to get familiar with, wow, if I feel this lying down, what am I missing standing up? Sure. It's a different relationship to gravity, but chances are those things are still niggling you in vertical and then go ahead and bend your knees. And what changes? What changes if you press into your feet between your pelvis, legs, and spine? What if you release the feet and let your pelvis roll forward? What right. if you press back into the feet and let your lower back get closer to the floor? So you're lying on your back with knees bent. And then what would happen if you let that, e that ease off the feet and let your pelvis roll forward? This is what our dogs and cats do. They do it all the time. They don't go, oh, look, I've arched and I've curled and that's it that's the only thing I've ever had to do for the rest of my life mm -hmm. no every time they come from a resting position or they they just had a little nap or they're about to do something they do that they'll go into their arch and then they'll go into their curl and then they'll come out of that and what are they doing people think it's stretching it is not stretching they are resetting their nervous systems this is the best thing that we could do to recalibrate. And that's what I was saying. Like, even if you're in bed, ideally it's better on the floor, but if your mm. bed is firm enough, go for it. You can even do it in a side position, but make sure you have a pillow under your head. You can arch and curl like that. And you're anchoring one side because you're lying on it. Like just even for example, like get right now, if I could just ask your, your folks to just, cross your arms, like just cross your arms. Like you would just cross your arms. You're mm -hmm. you know, standing there talking to somebody. So just notice what that feels like and then lower the arms. Now cross them the opposite way. <laughs> this is, yeah, yeah, exactly. So people should, like yeah, yeah, yeah. People will either have to think about it or they end up doing the same thing or they're like, what? And it's like all of a sudden you're hugging a whole different body. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, we're so habitual. Go ahead and pretend you have chewing gum in your mouth and chew. Notice the direction of your chew. Mm. Now stop and chew in the opposite direction. You have trained those masseter and pterygoidal muscles like to do that forever. And now try and go the other way. <laughs> like, like, yeah, next dinner party that. when we're through COVID, uh, next dinner party, like have people do that. Like it's kind of a fun parlor trick. So you're describing my ideal dinner party. And I oh, love mine too. In, my, uh, in, in any of my courses, whether you're taking like my eight-week mindfulness practitioner course or my 10-week uh, mindfulness and meditation teacher training, um, one of the things we do on like day one is starting to introduce daily mindful practice. Mm. And it's just recognizing the autopilot versus actually being in the being mode. Because from what I've observed and and what people have, have spoken to is like as soon as we are as soon as we are able to do something without thinking we do it and then we start loading more things onto that we love to multitask we want to multi so like you think about the miracle of walking this idea of like you're falling and catching yourself and like transferring this weight and it's like fascinating this is why it takes kids as long as it does to figure it out but then as soon as we got that we're gonna you know text while we're doing it and talk while we're doing it and carry things and we just load it up and load it up and load it up so one of the practices that i always get them to do is try to pick one thing that they do every day and just be really mindful and aware of what it takes to actually do that like tying your shoelaces what an amazing testament to our dexterity to and coordination to like tie our shoelaces but we don't think about it we just do it so to snap out of that automatic pilot and i thought of that as being such a great exercise what you just described being on the floor listening to your body listening to where the pulls are listening to you know where the little twinges are in our hips or our joints or you know one of the things i remember um learning for the first time with you was about like this neuroamnesia like listen for the parts that jump that skip a range of motion that like you're trying to go smooth in, a, in an area and all of a sudden you can't move a specific way in a specific area it's like your body has forgotten how to do that it is it's at, it's at the subconscious level so we don't see it it's invisible so it's so lovely to work with somebody and it feels like a really jagged movement or it's got a lot of turbulence in it and then i'm like okay so let's go a little slower a little smaller and then sometimes you know, I'm asking them to go up, but maybe they need to go forward first because maybe the bully's really forward in their shoulders. Mm. So then you always want to deal with the, the upstart in the classroom so that it doesn't, you know, um, get everybody riled up. Mm -hmm. So, so, okay, let's go forward a little bit. So they've got forward. Now we'll go back up. Oh, look what happened. Now we're going a little smoother. And then that jagged movement becomes smoother and smoother and it's not it's becomes a little dashed line and then it becomes this beautiful line and then it becomes this beautiful script and uh yeah it's it's the way it goes and it's so cool because we are adaptive we want homeostasis it uh, we're like hardwired for that we want to get better inherently and then there are those that don't but then they've got a lot of barnacles on top of that that you know do they not feel like they're enough do they not feel worthy? Were they not loved? Like there's, there's so many aspects to wanting to heal.
there's so many aspects and I speak to the physical because that's my wheelhouse. That's what I'm certified to do. I'm not certified to be a therapist, but I will have conversations with people mm -hmm. about these things. And then if there's more and it's out of my scope, I'm happy to refer out or let their OT know, Hey, like this just happened. And um, I think this person might need this extra support. Mm -hmm. And that's really important to note, getting into any of this, even if you're by yourself and you're doing a little exercise, like lying on the floor and starting to move your hips, like that psychosomatic connection to different emotion is a huge thing. And so for anyone listening, like knowing that if stuff comes up, emotions come up when you just start listening to your body more to be able to hold space for that or to reach out and ask for help if you, you need to, because it's like owning a yoga studio. I don't think I've ever been in a class women's it seems to be hips is a big thing hip openers or heart openers mm -hmm. without some tears in the class and sometimes you go up to the person afterwards just to check in and see if everything's okay and they will have no idea where those tears came from it was something that the tissue like the muscles or the joint or something was holding on to this emotional trauma or who knows yeah. what yes so exactly it, it goes beyond the body for sure well, we are these Russian nesting dolls. And I actually looked up on Amazon and I saw that you could buy wooden dolls like mm -hmm. that are unpainted, like just the wooden dolls. And I'm like, oh, wouldn't it be fun to create the koshas out of those nesting mm -hmm. dolls? There, somebody going to do that? Oh, no, I just gave my idea away. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, but, but this is what we do. We really think it's that the dolls are all like in their lineup. Mm-hmm. But the koshas, like it's, it's actually throw all those dolls back into each other. That's us. It's nonlinear. So you cannot move the body without affecting the emotional, without affecting the psychological, without affecting the spiritual. You cannot. It's, yeah. it's all intrinsically in, it, oh, interrelated and it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And then how we are like the whole micro and the macro and the, you know, you go and sit in your garden and you're like, Oh my gosh, this is no different from me. Mm. Yeah. Everything, all the, everything that's happening above the surface and below the surface and the yes. microbiology and all this kind of stuff. Absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. Have no idea what the coach. Is. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> go, yoga. go, go. <laughs> yeah. It's a yogic term talking about the different sheaths or uh, layers of the cell. And, and just as Natasha said, like it really speaks to how easy it is to just think of ourselves as one unit. Like there's a person, mm -hmm. but yet we have so many, even, you know, I find it really interesting. I had uh, one client that I was working with on road rage. They were really, they recognized that they had bad road rage and she was driving to my office one time. And she, when she got here, she said, okay, so for instance, this a-hole, you know, was whizzing past me while I was on my way here. And I honked my horn and I yelled at them. And I said, you know, why do you have to drive like that? And shaking her fist her whole time. She said, if I was being mindful, would, would I not ask that question? And I said, well, you can always ask questions from a mindful place. And it was hard for her to even think about the idea of kind of separating the emotional and the intellectual piece of that because we so often group that together as well. Whereas like, can you be sitting there from an objective place, observing this person passing you and just be able to ask the question, huh, I wonder why this person has to drive that way. Same question, completely different emotional state being yeah. in that. 
But until we can see ourselves as these layered beings, we can't separate the layers. No. It's and nor really should we, nor should we. Uh, I like that idea of, okay, let's go back to our dinner party analogy. Like mm. you do want to sit at your dining room table and invite it all. Like you don't want to just have, I mean, if you were really having a dinner party, you'd be like, oh, do I, no, I don't want to invite that person because that person does not get along with that person. And, right. and no, the dynamics are going to be, no. But when you are sitting at your personal dining room table, you want to invite the joy and the gratitude and the love. Yeah, all those lovely, lovely, higher, you know, vibrational frequency emotions. But you've got to invite the angst and the sadness and the, the resentment and the, the discomfort. You've got to invite those guys too because it's going to be, you're going to be a Swiss cheese whole you know, a Swiss cheese version of yourself with all those holes. It will never feel complete unless you embrace it all. And it doesn't mean you have to love it, but just like see it all. You want to live a well-examined life. Like you have to, like, what is the point? If, if people are like, I don't know what my life purpose is, please just observe yourself, feel yourself, sense yourself, move yourself. Like, I think that's really, really critical and so helpful. Yeah self-realization right like mm -hmm. the word in enlightenment it feels so grand it feels so like unobtainable but one of the other translations of enlightenment is just self-realization and we can even simplify that as just listen and get to know yourself and that can be your enlightenment and like you say like it takes getting to know that shadow side it takes getting to know those things that we don't want to face about ourselves and all that kind of stuff that's you whether you like it or not and being able to being able to invite that version of you to the dinner table mm -hmm. allows you to know it well enough and to be able to recognize it when it might be popping up when you're maybe not wanting it to be there sometimes. And it just becomes, you have this like friendly banter relationship with those sides of you kind of thing. Absolutely. And, and once you figure that piece out, yeah, it's like, there's the juiciness. There's the, the, uh, the grist for the wheel. Like it's so good. It's so good. Yeah. Is it scary? Yeah. But it's, it's almost, it has to be because it means something. It means something. You're, you've got your nervous system's attention. You're not complacent anymore. Like, like, Oh, there's, there's some, there's something to be looked at here. Okay. Yeah. One of my teachers, I think I can't try to remember exactly how they put it, but they said, you want to, you want to shoot for this life, this like higher living life. You know, and this is almost where this idea of higher potential living came from. You want to shoot for this higher potential of life and you expect it to be easy. Like mm -hmm. it was such a simple question. Like you want this and you think it's going to be easy too. Like it was yeah. such a, an eye-opening moment just having that question posed. It's a good question. <laughs> So um, I want to just be aware of the time and everything. Uh, but if someone wanted to find out more about you and the type of work that you do and everything else, how would they go about doing that? What's the best place to, where's the best place to find you? Sure. I have a website that I'm at. Uh, so I just changed my name. I've got to tell you, I changed my name just before, like in February, the beginning of February. I won't say the C word again. I've said it enough. So I changed my name just at the beginning of February and I have a brand new website. Um, I've been doing a lot of other things, a lot of studying over this time. Uh, 
mm-hmm. and it's been great. But uh, I have a website called Somatic Bloom Therapy. Uh, sorry, the company is Somatic Bloom Therapy, but the website is somaticbloom.com. And I can be reached in the meantime, while that website is still happening, uh, somaticbloom at gmail.com. Somaticbloom at gmail.com. And of course, and, people always get a hold of me and I can yes. definitely pass them your way for sure. Yeah. And you can send them my number. They can text me. Yeah. It's all good. It's all good. And uh, yeah, I look forward to, I love meeting people. I love meeting people where they're at. And that's what I do. I don't ask them to change. I'm like, okay, what's working for you? What isn't working for you? Okay. Mm-hmm. Where do you want to go? All right. So what are those, those, those steps that we need to take for you to get there? And then I just, I'm the guide. I will never, ever think that I'm doing it for them or I'm just the guide. I'm along for the ride. Let's, let's go. Let's, let's see what's possible. And, and this is what I've added to. I've always said this and I finish my emails with this ease is possible and life changing. It really is. There's, there's no question. I've seen it so many times, even people with chronic diseases, ease is still possible and life changing. Beautiful. I love that. Even people with, because we talked about, you know, the average person just being settling at that okay place. But, you know, when we're talking about this higher potential living, this improving the quality of life, like being able to address everyone on that scale of where, however you want to kind of label yourself, even with chronic pain, because even people I've worked with, like people who are just settling with this chronic pain on a regular basis and to know that change is, is possible. It's so empowering. So I've seen it too many times to not believe it myself. Beautiful. Uh, Do you have any last little words of wisdom, takeaways, or anything that you want to share with uh, anyone listening? Sure. Please don't ever limit yourself because it's not who you truly are. And your body can show you that. If you might not believe it on a psychological or emotional level, at least let your body show you on a physical level because it's true. And, and try not to give away your power. You've got these inklings, these knowings, these stirrings. They've served you all your life. And they're such a great guide for you. Like, don't give away your power just because somebody says you have arthritis. That's not a stamp or a tattoo for life. Like, mm. It's just like, okay, that's your opinion. I'd like to still see what my body's capable of. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And that's so important to know that you know, you can, there's always somewhere to go from that. So always somewhere to go from wherever you are. There's always a way to work with what you have to just get deeper into your practice, into your body and just see what's possible because you don't know unless you explore. Absolutely. So that's it. That's that courage piece, right? You've just got to be willing. I think if you're equally excited and scared, that's a really good recipe. Well, and you know, there's something about this journey of life that can be so exciting when you get that mindset that you are always a student, that there's always Mm -hmm. something more to learn about yourself. There's, you know, people talk about being in a relationship and, oh, we've been married 30 years and we know everything there is to know about each other. No, you don't. You don't even know yourself after a lifetime. And, you know, there's just so much more that we can constantly be learning and exploring and seeking and trying. It's such an exciting process. It's exciting to be alive. I I like it. (laughs) You're here. Me too. 
Oh, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure and I'm definitely going to have to uh, make a point of coming to see you in, in person in whatever fashion that looks like at some point. I would love that. Well, I am seeing people with proper PPE in place. So mm -hmm. that's no problem. Like, yeah, whenever you'd like, I would love to see you as well. Thank you, Jason. I think what you're doing is marvelous. I love the perspective that you're doing it from. And uh, you're, you're always so refreshing in your conversations. And that's what you're doing. You have conversations with people. It never feels like this is going to be something other than a conversation. And yet, yet, so much can happen in one of your conversations. So thank you again for letting me participate. Absolutely my pleasure. Have a fantastic night. You too.